Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, your little cultural salon out in cyberspace. I am your host, your groove mistress, and your uh, cruise director tonight, uh, Madam Perry. But you can call me Jennifer Perry or Jen or JP or Perry. We don't have to get formal with Madam. But I want to say, first of all, thanks to everyone who has been subscribing. If you're listening live tonight on blog talk radio there is a an azalea or hot pink colored rectangle that says follow if you could click that button and follow if you're interested in doing so uh that would be great also uh whether you listen on your favorite podcast platform is whether it's uh stitcher blueberry last fm podbean apple itunes whatever uh if you Follow. I really appreciate that because you make it possible for me to get continue to get great guests like I've had, like I've got coming up, and like I have tonight. Also, um, a lot of people or some people have been putting reviews on Stitcher and on Apple iTunes, reviews of the show, and I really appreciate that. Um, so if you have time uh, to do that and leave a, leave a review, that will be great. Uh, because I've gotten some that say things like that you, the listeners, like the fact that some of the guests might be people you know, uh, or might be some of your favorite musicians, some of your favorite writers, or sometimes it's people that you don't know. It might be an um, anthrozoologist or a historian. But either way, you say whether it's somebody you know or don't know, you like the variety and the information. So, you know, if one night it's Lita Ford, Queen of Metal Shred, uh, whom you first came to love in The Runaways, or it's uh, a NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory Specialist who also makes um, props for Star Wars and Star Trek. You know, either way, I want to come and bring you entertainment, and I want to bring you information, and I want to bring you the most fabulous people because you give me such great support, and I appreciate it. A couple of things, too. If you listened a few weeks ago, you heard Joe Milliken talking about his brand new book, Let's Go. It was the story of Ben Orr, uh, musician uh, of the the band The Cars, and uh, he's going to give away two books. And I have got Anthony Sharp from the TV show Miss Murder Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries, and his wife, the hilarious comedian Julie Sharp. They are going to draw the winners and send us a video. And also, uh, somebody asked me again this week, Franny Goldie, Franny Goldie, songwriter. Uh, multi-Grammy winner, wrote songs for Pussycat Dolls, Selena, uh, the Commodores, Night Shift, all those songs. Uh, go to her website, Franny Goldie, F-R-A-N-N-E-G-O-L-D-E dot com. If you want to buy some of the fabulous magic pants that you always see in Oprah or on The View, um, put an MPS or whatever you want to buy there. Put an MPS for Madame Perry Salon in the uh 
I guess it's called a coupon code field when you check out, and she will give you a fabulous discount. And let's see. Okay, so tonight, you know, some things, you know, people always say are inevitable, like you're going to get into the longest line at the grocery store or whatever it is um, you want will be the last place you look. Uh, whenever you've got some place to go in a hurry, that's when your kid spills food on you, whatever, some things. But then there's always the, the old standbys, uh, death and taxes. Well, I have learned recently through some experiences that, boy, it, it hurts. It hurts when someone uh, you love passes. You know, we all know that. But especially there's things get even more complicated when there are no preparations. And also when you have to go with a loved one or watch a loved one toward the end of their life and uh, make decisions about life support and whatever. However, I put a question out there or some comments to people on social media, and these two fantastic women responded with information that was totally new to me. Now, I am just, I know that there's a lot of things I don't know. But I was just in awe of these women and their work. So first I'm going to do is introduce each of them. And they're going to um, after tell you uh, what they do. And then we're just going to go into a discussion. And if you have a question, the phone will be open. Or for people who can't call, uh, you know, you can always message me with your questions or comments. And I'm happy to pass them on. Now, the first uh, woman... She describes herself, well, her bio says, uh, death midwife, tarot reader, musician, advocate for everyone. And I love the way she wrote, I'm the oil that flows between the traditional and current established funeral and death support services and ultimately advocate for the actively dying and those that are close to them. Now, there's more to it, but I'm going to invite Elle Crash. Elle, welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to have you here, and thank you for being so generous with your time. Um, and let's see, and my other guest, I'm going to go ahead, since we're all here in the genie bottle on our little cushions, um, the other guest is someone, well, you've probably heard her husband on this show many times. He's a suspense author, Brett Wright, and uh, she is a an affordable housing advocate, if we need that, high school speech and debate judge outdoor enthusiast, but she's also an enthusiastic host of Death Over Dinner events, and these are brand new to me, too. So, also, welcome Laurel Wright. Hi, Jennifer. Good to be here. It's delightful to have you here. And, by the way, I'm not going to mention that little episode a couple of years ago where your husband and his little friend left some burritos here in Madame Perry's salon, okay? <laughs> Rick Cornell. Yeah, I know. So we had to get mm-hmm. the place cleaned out. I think the next week was when uh, Elle's friend Chasm Sultan was here, and they were saying, oh, what was going on in here? So we had to get it all cleaned out. All right, so um, starting with, well, starting with Elle, tell me how you got into this type of profession and and, and tell us what you provide for people. Um, okay, it, it was really a, a kind of a strange way to get into doing it because I was actually doing it before I even knew it had a name. Um, So probably for like the last 10 or 15 years, I've had some friends who've passed and for some reason they would reach out to me and I would just go and be with them, see if I could be, you know, helpful in any way. And 
it, and after a while, I kind of started noticing the pattern that people were reaching out to me. And then um, about a year or two ago, I saw an article on people who were actively being deaf midwives. And I thought, you know, that sounds really interesting. And then about another six months later, I saw something about training for it. And I ended up signing up for it. And it just kind of, you know, flowed to me naturally. And it, and it felt like the right thing for me to do. Um, and the more I found out about it, the more right it felt. Uh, and, and since then, I've become a super advocate uh, for utilizing the service and also for talking about uh, end-of-life conversations because we really don't talk about it. We're terrible about doing that in the United States especially. And I think uh, things could be so much better for people if they were starting to have the, actively have these conversations. Oh yeah, it it makes so many so much so many things so much easier for everyone involved. Um, okay, and and Laurel, talk to us about death over dinner. It sounds yeah, like so okay. So yeah, so so I had received an invitation from a couple of dear friends uh, in the email, and it said, "Let's have dinner and talk about death." So, of course, I was intrigued and had to open the email. Um, so these are a couple of friends who are very thoughtful. Um, they always have a lot to say. And so they had learned, I think it was through an NPR show that they'd heard, uh, that there is a movement to start demystifying death and make it something that we talk about on a more regular, normal basis. You know, there are a few things Americans just never want to talk about in any detail, and that's, you know, their sex lives, their money situation, and death. Um, so some people are trying to demystify this, make this something we talk about regularly um, to take the power away from it and just to let people know what it is you want. Um, it's been described as how we end our lives is one of the most important conversations Americans are not having. Um, you know, we need to know who we want near us toward the end, what we want our final days to be like, and how we can support the end-of-life wishes of those closest to us. But we won't know that unless we talk about it before there's a crisis. Mm-hmm. So when you first went to these dinners, I mean, what, what are they like when people go? What? Well, yeah, it, it, there's some preparation involved uh, to kind of get everyone in the mood, get everyone on the same page, understanding what this is all about. So, um, and I've hosted a few of these myself since because I enjoyed it so much. So you get a couple of selections, maybe a couple of videos or a podcast or an essay or a poem, uh, three or four different things talking about death. So, for example, I had uh, received um, a video with Alain de Baton uh, talking about death from kind of a philosophical standpoint. Bertrand Russell had some things to say about it. And then uh, the man who really started the movement um, that I've been involved in, uh, Michael Hebb, has a really interesting YouTube video just explaining, you know, why this is important. Um, the majority of bankruptcies are due to uh, medical expenses. 75% of Americans want to die at home, but only 25% do. Um, and almost half of Medicare patients spend more than their total assets on out-of-pocket costs 
for their end-of-life care. Um, so, you know, so you, you get this information in advance, kind of digest it a little bit, kind of get your head around what do you think about these topics. And then you go meet. It can be a, an elaborate dinner with candlelight and wine flowing. It can be just soup and bread. But you get a group of friends or um, get your parents together or, or a mix of different people. And you, you have a little meal because breaking bread always kind of puts our guard down, and that's where we have our important conversations traditionally. And then we start talking about some of the um, things that we saw on the videos or the essays, whatever. And then conversation really very quickly flows into people's individual situations, um, deaths they've seen that have been what you would term a good death, where it just went nicely and it was a nice finale to a life, or deaths that were just just heartbreaking in the way they played out um, with people struggling, trying to figure out what was somebody's wishes. Did they want to be on life support? Do they, do they want to pass peacefully? What, what kind of heroic measures do they want? Um, and it, it was just, it was fascinating. Then it quickly goes into um, different af uh, arrangements. You know, do you want a big funeral? Do you just want, you know, something very simple? Um, many of us who said, oh, just roll me in a ditch when I'm done, realized <laughs> through this discussion, that's not really an option. And that's really not very fair to those you're leaving behind because rolling you into a ditch is frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have to let people know realistically what do you want to have happen so that they can honor those wishes. Very interesting. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I, so you, I, I can see this. Where you're, anytime you're having dinner, you know, bread, of course, a life-affirming event every time you share food with someone and uh, with friends, and I guess if it too, maybe you have a wine, you can relax and talk more freely about what you want or what you've seen happen to someone else. And you go, I never want to be in that situation. Exactly. So I can right. see that where it makes it so much easier. Um, now, Elle, how, how would a dead, how does what you do fit in with this? Because I think you, from what I understand, you do more, you do more than death midwifery you also uh or, or at least you perform different functions you do take care of things like um coordinating legacy wishes helping navigate the uh, funeral homes oh i do wish i had known that you did this a couple of months ago i would have been so grateful um you know it's, it's, a, like service, it's a service that a lot of folks really could use i mean it's you know laurel was spot on she was spot on and the thing is, you know, most of the time, whenever this happens, it's either someone's had a, 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 a horrible accident or they, you know, a newly discovered terminal illness. And I mean, that is absolutely the worst time when you're not feeling well, when you're scared, when you don't know what's going on to try to make huge decisions, of course, you know, and all the things that you talked about, you know, the paperwork, dealing with funeral homes, um, it's just, and, and unfortunately these days, funeral homes are kind of preying on people who are in the midst of grief and attaching, you know, monetary things to that. Um, so 
death midwives, we perform several functions. Um, we can help people with end-of-life paperwork, which is super important and which nobody wants to sit down and do. <laughs> um, we can assist with home burials if it's appropriate in the state that they're in. Um, we can sit vigil with folks. Like, you know, there are some people that are, that are actively dying that don't have anybody. So we're able to sit and <clears throat> be that helping hand. Um, we're able to coordinate. <clears throat> excuse me, I have a cold. Um, we're able to coordinate legacy wishes. Like, let's say Grandma really, really wishes she'd she'd love to get you know five of her recipes uh, bound up, you know, so she can hand them out to the grandkids. Or somebody wishes to write a letter to to someone that they haven't spoken to in a really long time and would like to kind of you know settle things in a nice way. Um, that's something I can help with. Um, another thing is client advocacy with institutions and the family. So everybody's got that one relative who comes who comes into a very, very stressful situation and can sometimes want to go against what everybody else is thinking that um, the person who's dying actually wants. So then there's family dynamics that have to be navigated, and that can be really, really tough. Um, we could also help with information on body disposal, which is fascinating all the cool ways that you can that you can go now is just amazing uh things like mushroom suits and uh being part of the great barrier reef uh, so we can help people understand what those options are and uh but you know lately i've been focusing on education and communication because so many folks don't understand all the options and and laurel you're so spot on i i've done a couple of uh i call them dishing over death um you know, the the kind of the situations where you get together and just, just have discussions. And I found that um, open-minded people are always, always happy to jump in. Um, but there's still a lot of folks who I think are just afraid of death. And I think we need to start making friends with it because it's definitely coming. Um, and it's it's a lot less scary if you talk about it beforehand and if you get kind of all your affairs in order. And you could actually live better if you do that. Boy, that's the truth. Um, and I, I like to think about the different types of end of life uh, or body disposal, so forth. Um, you know, how, you know how you get those. I'm sure everybody gets these these uh, big postcards in the mail because maybe somebody wants you to come learn about investing. They offer you a free lunch or something somewhere, or. Um, a lot of them from the funeral home send things out, you know. But then I got one, you know, come have breakfast at, what, Golden Corral and answer any questions you've got. But then I got one from the Neptune Society, and you know what that is, right? Yes. <laughs> Would you explain it for people? I know you'll explain it better than I do. Um, isn't it where they they some have to take your body, your cremains, or whatever, and put it in into um, a form where hopefully it's in the ocean and helps to grow the coral reef? reef? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Okay. They actually, um, mix it with cement and then and and form it. And they can also include um, if there's something personal that you care to include with that, they can do that. And then they they join it with with the other pieces of concrete which allows the coral to grow on top of it well i got one of those from the neptune society guess where they're meeting red lobster 
<laughs> that seems kind of appropriate. <laughs> I know. I thought, oh, man. And, and, and then again, you know, he said something to me about Red Lobster. I said, well, hey, it's not like it was like Long John Silver's, you know. It was Red Lobster. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah, that would get the conversation going. Um, so how would people find you, Laurel, or people who wanted to know who need your help? How do they know? I mean, I did, like I said, if I had known about you back in August or July, I, I would have been begging you, you know, take me on as a client. I, I need your help. Um, how do people find out about you or people who do what you do? Yeah, well, uh, really the best thing is to uh, look on YouTube. Uh, there's a TED Talk from Michael Hebb, H-E-B-B, and uh, it's titled, What Happens When Death is What's for Dinner? And so he explains how he came to create this movement and get it started, talks about his first death over dinner. Uh, You know, for me, I went to the one dinner and talked it up to all my friends, said, you know, this was actually such a life-affirming and call-to-action kind of evening. And it was so nice to have real deep conversation with people instead of, you know, how about that sports team, uh, which has its place, but we really don't have much time to have really meaningful discussions with people very often. Uh, So very quickly, several friends said, you've got to do one of these because I'd like to do it. So we were part of a conversation group and I held one for them. um, And it was a really great evening. And so I posted on about that on social media and my friends who were not part of that discussion group said, well, that's ridiculous. I want to be part of that too. So um, I held a second one for some of those friends. Uh, Then some of those friends went out and held their own uh, evenings. So this deathoverdinner.org has a website and they really lead you through how to do one of these. They give you examples of, you know, different materials that you can send out. Think about who it is you're going to invite. Is it a really mixed bag? Is this all friends? Is it all older people? Is it a group of people who are all facing death, you know, on a a more um, sudden or or a time, you know, Soon. <laughs> Sorry, lost my train of thought. Um, but, you know, if it's people who are really staring death in the face right now, you might have a different discussion than people who are just talking about it in the abstract and saying, oh, yeah, I really do need to do a will one of these days. Uh, so there's a lot of information out there once you start looking, and it's just a very informal um, you know, you just gather your friends and, and talk about it. And the more we talk, the, again, the less power it has. Uh, one of our parents, between us, we have six parents due to deaths and divorces and so forth. Uh, so we're looking at helping many people on to the next plane. Um, and one of them approached us recently and said, you know, I know this is a very difficult topic, but I really want to talk to you about my final wishes. And we both said, oh, we're totally comfortable with that. When do you want to meet? And so it really has paid some dividends already. We were able to just talk about it instead of 
fearing, you know, do we look like we're being opportunistic or are we hoping that they pass on soon? No, it's just being practical. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of information out there. You know, funny, I've got two people that have, and this was a few years back, two friends that have both booked me to sing at their funerals. Uh, One is a striking cabaret at his funeral. And Mm -hmm. the other friend who has already planned out the buffet and everything and the music and (laughs) uh, the place, whenever it happens, it's ready. And she wants me to to bring the band and we're going to play some jazz. And so, yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, these people have it going on. And they, how wonderful, you know, that's already settled. It's already done. It's not going to be any problems. And then that doesn't leave it to those left behind by them trying to figure out and guess and argue among themselves, you know, are we going to have a very solemn affair? Are we going to have a jazz funeral? It, it's already been determined. It's, it's planned. And no one, no one in their grief has to think about that. I, I think that's about the kindest thing you can do for those you leave behind. It is because that's that is that's a huge burden to place on folks who are already having having a really hard time just even functioning sometimes because of grief. Uh, that's very true as well. Yes, um, I know in my situation, you know, it seems like everybody all of a sudden we get called into a room with several doctors. My youngest brother and I and. Nobody can really talk plain to us, but they're trying to say that it's time to consider taking our mother off life support. And they go, well, what do you think's going on? Asking me, me? I don't know. I'm here for you to tell me what's going on. You know? mm. Well, you know, that's, that's another really big challenge. And it's, I mean, it's starting to change, but the change is slow. Um, doctors have, a, believe it or not, a very difficult time talking about death because I uh, I think the kind of collective agreement is that, you know, they're healers. They, they, were, they, they were sworn in to, to heal, and they kind of look at death as a, 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 not winning. You know, they're not healing that person. But, you know, our bodies are super intelligent when it's time to go and time to shut down. And it's not a losing. It's just how nature is playing out. And, you mm-hmm. know, doctors – hesitate and sometimes in my opinion wait way too long to have that conversation so instead of you know saying should we take them off life support the conversation should have been had probably two months ago uh, about with the time you have left what is it that you want to do what's important to you that's you know that's the best question you can ask anybody in those circumstances Um, because Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times end of life especially like with debilitating illnesses like cancer and and, and things, they, they want to keep on trying stuff, but that comes at a huge cost, both financially, emotionally, physically, to people. And, you know, nobody wants, like you said, you know, those, 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 that data was spot on. Very few people want to die in a hospital. They don't want to be hooked up to, to wires and to catheters. You know, they, they want to be at home with their family, or they want to go to Walt Disney World one last time, or they want to do something meaningful, and doctors keep trying to fix you, but sometimes, you know, at, at the end of life, there's, there's no more fixing. So it, that's why it's so important to have these conversations and encourage, you know, your doctors to be honest and, and step back and say, 
you know, a lot of times it's really not the person who's ill, but the people around them who are saying, what else can you do? Because, you know, they're afraid of loss. They're afraid of losing the people they hold so dear. Um, but this, these are the conversations that if you have ahead of time, you know, it, it makes it just so much easier on everybody. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm going to stop and ask is, is for people that are listening live tonight, and I know several people are, um, if you have a question that you want to ask Elle or Laurel, the number is 646-716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. And that's a toll-free call in the continental U.S. And for people who can't make a phone call but have a question, you can always send me a message on Facebook, either through Jennifer Maudette Perry or through Madam Perry Salon page. Um, just send me a question and or comment for either one of these guests. Um I want to ask a question, and I'm going to ask uh, uh, both of you, but I'm going to ask Laurel first because oh, I know I need to let your voice uh, rest a little bit in between because I know he's been a little raspy. Um, can you tell me two situations of what you do or with people, or maybe uh, maybe with certain people or family or situation where what you've done, whether it's death over dinners or where the death advocate midwife work has just really been with a certain person so incredibly satisfying. Now, I'm not saying you had to put the funeral, but I'm saying, yeah, where it's really Mm -hmm. felt. Well, you know, a couple of situations have come up during these dinners where you just feel like you've you've done something worthwhile with your evening. Uh, During one of our dinners, we had a couple that we've known for probably 20 years, um, very nice couple, they get along very well, and the discussion turned to final arrangements. And the husband said, well, you know, just cremate me, I don't, I don't care, I don't want any fuss. And I'm sure, honey, you feel the same way. And she <laughs> turned to him and said, actually, I really, really want the, the formal affair. I, I want people to have a process by which to say goodbye to me. I, it, I think the ritual is extremely important. And the room got a little quiet. <laughs> but <laughs> they were able to start that discussion between themselves because, you know, as you're busy walking the dogs, doing your job, um, exercising to stay healthy, you don't necessarily talk about death. Say, hey, honey, you know, let's talk about death tonight. Um, so it turned out after all these years of marriage, they were absolutely not on the same page. So I felt I'd kind of done my little good deed for the day, getting that discussion going. Um, oh, yeah. Several people after the after the um, get-togethers will check in and tell me where they are on getting their living will and their will and you know all their other arrangements done. And and I have to say it wasn't until I had participated in one and then hosted another one. You know, I I finally turned to my husband and said, you know, we probably should be living what we're talking. We still don't have a will. And while our affairs are not that complicated, again, it just takes a little burden off of everyone. It doesn't have the same horrible legal process to go through if you just make your wishes clear in advance. Um, so, so it was personally helpful to me too. It got me off the fence post on that one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
Very good. Yeah, that that was a great conversation to start with that couple. I can't imagine. Oh, oh, it it got very quiet for a while. We were like, oh. <laughs> Oh, all right. Same question to you, Al. Well, you know, Jennifer, just you having us on this program, I think, is a win. Uh, you know, it's starting to get more mainstream. People are starting to have the conversations. And that feels really rewarding to me because I think education is wonderful. And I think the more people that talk, the more people are going to have conversations. Um, and personally, I have my dad and my mom who are both in their mid eighties. And then also my grandmother who is still alive. She's 102. And Uh this kind of helped me facilitate conversations with them. And even though I had all this information about the new shiny things that you can do, um, you know, they all came back and said, Hey, traditional funeral. And so that, that was kind of important for me to understand too, that, you know, some folks are just more comfortable with something that's more traditional um, and that's okay too. So, you know, really advocacy is about giving someone what they personally would like, you know, which, which has nothing to do with the person who's advocating for them, you know, and just being very personal with people and making sure that whatever wishes they have um, can come true in any aspect of, you know, what's going on in their end-of-life situation. And I think that's now, are, important for people to know. You you also, I understand, have, have your own tips and tricks about getting conversations to go with uh, for people, like get them to go ahead and talk about it and pull some information out. How do you do that? Um, well, I've just actually become really good at just, you know, bringing up the topic because it's a little controversial, Um but, you know, we talk about we, we talk about sex now. We talk about, gosh, gosh knows, we talk about politics now. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a little zinger you can throw out at a party. And sometimes, you know, what I'll, what I'll do is I'll say, you know, um, have a will or have the state fight over everything. And, you know, kind of throw up some two uh, you know, disparate things and, and say, let's talk about it. And people always do. I've never had anybody back down from it. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a really good conversation starter or say something like, you know, do you want to be buried or do you want to be cremated? And people always have an opinion. And, you know, once you kind of break down that barrier, it, it starts to become easier with those sort of more lighthearted things to get to the more emotional type of things. Um, and that's really kind of the heart of getting to people to talk about it. And, 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 and cause it's, you know, it's an emotional topic. It's uh, people just have a hard time, you know, foreseeing their own death, you know, obviously, but, you know, and someone great had this quote, it's, it's the opposite of, of death is not life. The opposite of death is birth. And, you know, we, we spend Mm. a lot of time having these wonderful, beautiful, joyful celebrations when babies come in the world. Um, We need to have that same love and, and, and joy, joyous feeling when someone's going out, you know, giving someone a great send-off party. Um, you know, we've all all lived wonderful lives, and it's kind of a last chance to celebrate that. So I like that. I like that. I like everything you've said. That's beautiful. Did, it is. Did you see, did, do either of you watch uh, Frankie and Grace or Grace and Frankie? Oh, I love that show. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
Hey, remember when your friend Babe was going to die? Yes. Mm-hmm. And magnificent party she threw. And she said she even had everything down to, you know, the young guy that's supposed to take care of her body and dispose of it afterwards. And everything was planned and a big party. And I thought, what a magnificent celebration where all her friends could have such a good time with her. It, and it even really little, is. Bittersweet feeling. Still, would you, would you know? Would you rather it be like that, and then just to find out something after the fact? You know, I would like to uh, just enjoy my friends. You know, it, it's just it, it. It allows people to take back so much power. You know, like right now, pretty much the power is in the hands of, you know, the for-profit medical industry. You know, they're kind of. <clears throat> you know, showing you when and where you're going to be or keeping you in the hospital. And I really think it's time to take our power back around that. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, people are starting to have conversations about several states have passed legislation is, you know, self-assisted suicide for death. I mean, that's a big topic to talk about, very controversial, um, but worth talking about because, you know, especially for someone who's facing a horrific end-of-life illness like ALS or something like that, um, that's really tough. And some people may want to opt out, and I think that that should be okay, personally. That's my own personal feelings. I know everybody doesn't share that, but um, some states are allowing that. I know Oregon is one. And what's so interesting about this is that, you know, they've done some, some data searching after this has gone into effect, And, you know, in Oregon, you have to go to the doctor several times. They have to, you know, deem you mentally fit to make this decision. Um, They have to write a prescription. You have to take the prescription, get it filled, um, and then you have to personally be able to take it. Um, And what's so interesting is during this process, like let's say if you had 100 people that went initially, maybe only 30% will get that prescription. And of that, maybe only 10% will actually take it. So sometimes it's just having that knowledge, having that power that you can make that decision if you want to. Again, Mm -hmm. taking the power back. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I like that. Also, in in some of your work um, or part of your work, um, L is a death midwife. You also, I understand you do, um, like you said, coordinating legacy wishes and uh, client advocacy. But you also talk about, uh, or I've read that you do sitting vigil. Or yes, I mean one one of the things that we can do is, and it, it's called creating a sacred space. So almost bringing, I'll use the, the, you know, kind of normalized word church, if you will, but, you know, bringing a sacred space to someone who's transitioning out. So, you know, you can use candles, lighting, incense. You can ask the person, you know, what smells make you happy? Uh, Do you want to smell cinnamon? Do you want to smell vanilla? Do you want someone to hold your hand? Do you want your friends near? Um, You know, do you want an extra warm blanket? I mean, the idea is to give the person who's transitioning to make them happy as happy as possible at that moment. And sitting vigil is just doing that, you know, sitting with the person and, you know, sharing space. Um, 
for whatever it is that they would like to have happen, even if it's just sitting quietly and holding their hand. And, you know, some people are afraid of that. Uh, some people feel like they have to say something or they have to do something. And it's, you know, just like if you have a friend who's going through something just tough in regular life, sometimes the best thing you can do is just sit and just hold space for them. I like that. I like the way you set that up, the, the uh, creating the sacred space, whether you want a certain uh, f- fragrance or smell around them, a certain blanket maybe. Um, I guess music would come into that too. Oh, um, absolutely. That's an important one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a caller here who's going to ask us. Hi, and welcome to Madam Perry Salon. How are you? Hi, welcome to Madam Perry Salon. You know, I think that was me, Jennifer. I got dropped, so I called back in. Sorry about that. Hey, no problem. Thought the number looked awfully familiar. Um, so, uh, so I can see where that makes it so much better than than like like I said with my mom. There's the hospital room. There's the noise, and outside. They put a little laminated sign with a dove that says "Peaceful Journey," I guess to let people know, you know, to be quiet and not to try to go in there. But, you know, then there's all the hospital sounds and noises going on, and announcements, and you know, code this, that, and the other. Um, I, I would think that you know the sacred space, especially in one's home, would be so much nicer. You know, wouldn't even have to talk to somebody. Just let them feel that they're in a space where they're comfortable. Whatever they see or hear or feel or smell would be comfortable. <clears throat> um, and Laurel, in death, death over dinners, do mm-hmm. do people eventually get to that part where they'll talk about? I, you know, I'd like to have for me before I go. I'd like to um, have some kind of soft music transition me out. With the, Oh, yeah. We've had a, a number of interesting answers to that. I mean, uh, we've had people want to take up skydiving, you know. They say there's no downside to that at this point. Um, <laughs> much much discussion on, you know, do they want to be at home? Who do they or do they not want to see and spend time with? You know, if it's someone you've had a very troubled relationship with all through life, maybe that would be a great time for things to to mend and be better, but maybe that will make your last days just that much more trying. Um, I I did want to to say, you know, on the topic of just making those wishes known, um, I was remembering, I just heard a story the other day about um, a, a woman who's, father had always said, you know, if I am incapacitated, do not put me on life support. No matter what, do not put me on life support. And she and her sister, all through life, they're like, okay, Dad, we get it. Okay, just stop talking about this. Well, years go on, and guess what? He has a heart attack, and he's not doing well. And the doctors say, what do you want to do? And they were able to look at each other and say, well, this one's pretty patently clear. You know, we don't have to do any guesswork on this. As as annoying as it was all those years, he was really clear on what he wanted. So we're sad, but we don't feel like we're having to make a big decision and is it the right one. Hmm. 
That's much better. You, you know, something we talked touched on, I think this might have actually been before we came on the air, uh, was about the business. And I think, and I'm only mentioning this, it seems my, like it might be off the, the, the narrow part of the topic, but this causes so many problems. You know, because when I first, we first got into a discussion, you know, I was talking about with my mother, it was, you know, she didn't expect this. She was went in for a knee replacement because she wanted to drive her grandkids to Disney. Mm-hmm. But there were things that happened, and so it just didn't didn't go that way. But um, no will, no life insurance. So my brother and I are trying to sort some things out, and you know he's going on. He's the youngest. He's the most seems um, to be the most emotional. So I'm trying to let him take the lead on things, and so I don't want him to feel like I'm rushing anything through. But you know, we're at the funeral home, and it's stuff like okay, this, this, and this, and Scott says, well, I know Mama will haunt us if we do this. You know, she said she would, we never knew what she wanted, but we knew what she didn't want. I'll haunt you if you you dress me in orange. You know, things like that. (laughs) You know, if this person, that person's there, but never what. And so, of course, then, as you know, um, after he signed off on this big bill, um, and then an attorney a few weeks ago said, you know, you didn't have to sign that. And they knew you didn't have to sign it, you know, but they know you're in a weak moment. And so that's what we said, too. Sometimes I feel I, I read so many things where people talk about, well, the funeral home could be a ripoff or just, they, you know, jack up the prices, which only adds to a family's pain after all that. Uh-huh. It it really does, and there's I mean there's documented proof of people like going in undercover to nursing you know to, to funeral homes and being upsold on packages where you don't even know what the package includes and um, you know a couple of things that that I learned that I thought were really interesting is some of the things that that they tell you you have to be really clear on what's policy and what is law because they will try to make it seem like that you absolutely positively 100% have to do these things. And in most cases, you don't. Uh, for example, embalming, you are not required by law, unless you have to like ship a body somewhere, to use embalming. Um, you're, you're sometimes told that you have to have a big cement uh, uh, cargo, like, you know, a big cement, I can't think of the word, uh, alt. Thank you. Big cement vault. And in reality, the big cement vault is just to keep the lawn level. It has zero to do with you being buried uh, personally. So um, it's, it's, it's really a big upsell business. It's, you know, how they make their money. Not all funeral homes are bad by any means, but um, it's just a really awful time for them to be selling you on your grief and, you know, there's uh, the good news is there are some uh, new places that are coming up called green burial, uh, which is just what it sounds like. You know, it's, you can be buried in a simple wicker basket or a cardboard box, um, of course, much, much cheaper, uh, much more ecologically friendly, because um, a lot of what a lot of people don't realize is both regular uh, burial and even regular cremation are no longer ecologically sound. Uh, because of the the chemicals used in embalming, you know, those are going into our our groundwater. And all of the metals and things are also disintegrating into the earth. Um, And with cremation, we're probably breathing about 5% dead bodies right now. So 
we've got oh, to find yeah. a better way. And yeah. they are finding better ways. They're, they're finding, um, they're doing water cremation, uh, which is, you know, kind of mixing chemicals that are not so harsh um, and using temperature to kind of turn you into like a silica sand. Um, they're also using um, different kinds of lower heat cremate, you know, cremation um, that's a lot more ecologically friendly. Um, a lot of things have started coming up with the last few years. Uh, mushroom composting, where you put on a mushroom suit, where it's uh, kind of crocheted with mushroom spores, so it kind of naturally composts you back into the ground. Um, you can turn into a tree, which is awesome. Um, there's just a whole bunch of different things that are coming up. And a lot of ways that people don't think about, you can go to the body farm, uh, which are farms, body farms that uh, forensic places and universities have that will measure, you know, how a body decomposes in different types of weather or types of earth or snow or, you know, sand. Um, you can donate your body to science. Um, there's mm -hmm. just a lot of different ways. And, you know, people don't always know what those options are. So that's another thing a death midwife can help you kind of, you know, root through those and figure out what you'd like, you'd, you'd like to, how you'd like to go out. And also you can have your ashes put in a record. You can be made into a diamond. All these things are, I find fascinating and really cool, you know, much more individualized than, than, you know, kind of the traditional things. Oh yeah. That's oh so much better. So much better. You know, um, before we go, now, I got to tell you, I have been to a couple of fun funerals. And one, and I think both of you, and I know Elle, you know a lot of musicians. Um, I know you can picture this, and Laurel, you can too. But a friend of mine's younger brother had passed a couple of years back, and it was a sudden death. But he was a well-known, really hardcore punk rock musician in Atlanta. So mm -hmm. at the funeral... It was like everybody came, like we stopped, everybody there stopped in time. They were still wearing the same clothes that they wore back at the club. <laughs> That's Walkers, awesome. You know. <laughs> I know. That was the same thing. So, so everybody looked fabulous. You know, they might have had a leather miniskirt and fishnets and, and a walker, or, but everybody was the way they were in the club. And, of course, like I said, it was a hardcore band. It's called The Restraints, and they were playing their music before, which is better than hearing just something that, means nothing to the people that were there. Exactly. Yeah. Dance music. And it just so happened that just as they were bringing his his uh, casket down the aisle to the front of the chapel, they happened to hit on the chorus of one of the band's most popular songs. And the chorus was whacker 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 on her bad behind. And it just <laughs> <laughs> How perfect. perfect. <laughs> What they would do, they said, you know, that uh, they would always have somebody be the, you know, the bad behind girl, the whack, that would come up on stage to get spanked during this song. So, of course, you know, different ones there had been it. So it had been the whacker girl. And they said as soon as it came down and it was singing that, I mean, everybody just, <laughs> it's just like a big laugh of relief at one time in the chapel. And it just, it was just perfect. It was just one of those perfect, perfect moments. What would you like so surely you both have plans or you both have what you have as your uh, best case end of life and, or best case send off scenario what would that be <clears throat> Laurel I'll go first okay um, 
I'm not much for um, the the formal goodbyes. Uh, I don't like being the center of attention that much, frankly. So what I've told everyone, maybe, you know, a little memorial service with just the people who actually care, um, maybe a little dust in the wind in the background. But more than anything, I want them to take the money they would have spent on all the formalities and the casket and the this and that, and go on a cruise or some sort of vacation, have fun together, reaffirm life, maybe have a little toast to me if you think of it. I like that. Okay. So your your family already knows this. Have you got this written down? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I, I can tell you do. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, all right. And Elle? Um, I used to think, I used to, tell, I used to tell people, just put me in a corner, douse me with Grand Marnier, and light me on fire. But <laughs> I, I've i kind of changed my tune a little bit. I, I did, I've always thought cremation, um, but finding out how unecologically sound it is, I'm sort of changing that a little bit. Um, so I may, I may go with something a little bit more ecologically friendly. Uh, but I also have in my will that my daughter is supposed to take some of my ashes to some of my favorite places. Like Broadway is one. Savannah is one because I was born there. Um, just a couple of places that are really meaningful to me. Um, and then I want my friends to have a big party and there must be dancing. Absolutely. hundred percent has to be dancing. Um, and, just, you know, have a good time because I want, you know, Funerals should be a celebration, you know, mm-hmm. a celebration of a life wonderfully lived and all the cool things that went along with it. So, you know, I, I, I have a dream of, of you know, you, you open up the show talking about death and taxes. And I think that when people do their taxes, they should update their end of life documents, you well, know, wipe out two icky birds with one stone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it is something you should kind of revisit every year. You know, because, you know, like uh, personally, like I just moved not too long ago. So I need to update in terms of, you know, my housing and cars and things like that. Or, you know, will if you want to leave something to someone. Um, And just so your your listeners know, you can go to your doctor and they will hand you a packet. um, that All you have to do is fill it out uh, in terms of a living will, Um, you know, or in terms of like end of life care. And that's a, you know, do that once a year. Do it. And, and mm. you know, as a death midwife, I will come hold your hand. I'll use finger puppets, whatever it takes, you know, to make it a fun experience. Um, but people, I you believe- need to do this. <laughs> I believe you honestly will. Listen, ladies, uh, <laughs> I know I've took up a lot of your time, and I am just so gracious grateful that you have been so generous with the time and the information and just your just your delightful personalities as you share this. I mean, I, you guys really did make it fun. It made me fun just to listen, you know. Um, so if you have, I will be sharing on all of my social media uh, more information about Death Over Dinners and also um, about Death Midwifery, L. or if you have uh, a business... Jennifer, I think you dropped off. I can't hear you anymore. 
Oh, and I can hear you, but I can't hear Jennifer. Maybe she'll join back up in a second. 